This is Brian Bowman, who's going to be coming up here in just a second. And uh, Brian Bowman actually was at Lincoln Avenue Church, uh, Baptist Church, about five years ago or so. I'm not sure. Four. I'm not. Do you even remember that? You don't remember that, do you? You. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll tell the story. If I remember right, you were here uh, preaching in view of a call to some degree or for a pulpit committee. Yes, now you remember. I guess evidently we are forgettable. <clears throat> well, this guy's got some work to do here, huh? Yeah, he came. Uh, he was a he was a church planner in Portland, and uh, actually he came to our association. That's when I first met him. Was uh, he was going to plant a church in Portland? He went to plant a church in Portland. Did that? Completed that? Uh, his wife felt called back to Oklahoma, and so as they're coming back, their uh, church is is looking at them, and they wanted to hear him preach. And I don't know how we got picked, but. Uh, I think I think you guys said we want we want to hear somebody besides Pastor Jason in the evening, and so John or somebody did that. Well, I don't know. Somehow that came together, and uh, Brian. There was a pulpit committee that came, and, and Brian preached uh, on a Sunday evening, and uh, I got hired by that church, I believe. Yeah, same church. Yeah, and uh, has been there uh, for several years, and then I think he'll tell you the rest of the story about how God is moving them and calling them to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, a city that we have a connection with. Uh, many of you have been on mission trips to Phoenix. We've gone there several several times, uh, planting churches in, in the metro area of Phoenix, and so Brian is doing that again. There's a, a church he's going to be planting there, and you may have uh, saw uh, information about him in the Baptist Messenger or other, other articles through our state, and so Brian Brian's here going to talk to us about what he's doing in Phoenix, and then uh, we're going to talk as a church and a mission committee in the coming weeks about how we might be able to partner with Brian. So Brian, come on up, and uh, he's going to share a word. He's preaching at First Baptist at 6 o'clock, and so he's going to, he's going to share with us a little bit, and then he's going to be taken off to First Baptist. So. Well, it's good to be here. I would like for you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 8. Man, God has changed everything in my life like crazy. Uh, it, all, it all started when God captured me at the age of 13. Um, I gave my life to Jesus, and, and he put inside of me a burning desire to tell others about him. And, and I've, never, I've never really wanted to do anything else in my life. Now, that's changed in its, in its scope and the way God has bent that around over the years, but man, I started, um, I started Bible studies in my teenage years, uh, which is with my friends. Um, and then God called me to, um, God called me to be an intern at a church in Tampa, Florida. My dad was a pastor in Florida and I was an intern, a youth intern at a church in Tampa, Florida. Eventually I ended up in Oklahoma, pastoring in Oklahoma after eight years. Uh, I was the pastor at First Baptist Church of Adair, a church a lot like this, this is a, your, your reputation kind of goes out in front of you that God is doing and has done and will continue to do. We pray great things uh, through, through your church. And the time that I was pastor to Adair, it was great. I mean, it was awesome. I couldn't have asked for anything more as a pastor out of the friends that I made, the team that I got to work with, the way we saw God move in people's lives, young and old, and bring people in. But better than that, change them. And, and we were even been able to help out some other churches in different ways. And right in the middle of all that, God called me out of that great place to Portland, Oregon. And uh, when we moved to Portland... We didn't, we didn't know anyone there. They call that a parachute plant. We literally just dropped in, like behind enemy lines. And if you know anything about Portland, Oregon, that's, that's a, not far from the truth. Uh, they told us when we were going in, this is the belly of the beast. You know, this is the darkest of the dark. Uh, and uh, 
be honest with you, my mind is rolling around because you may have heard some of this stuff before. If I was here before, you've heard some of this stuff before. But when we got to Portland, I'll just act like you didn't know that. When we got to Portland, uh, I saw Harry's Homo Hitching Post, right? They do gay marriage there, and I heard about physician-assisted suicide and, and the different cultures that, are, that are, are swinging around there in Portland. And then we moved into what you might call the ghetto, uh, the way we planted in Portland because of our ignorance, quite honestly. Now I know a little bit more about church planting, haven't done it for a while. We didn't know about church planting networks or, or asking people for help. We really thought the only way that you were supposed to do it is you just resigned. You packed everything that you had and you moved in and and you just started meeting people. And that's exactly what we did. Now, through the process, churches came along to help and we, we became NAM, uh, North American Mission Board approved and all that stuff. But when we got there, it was simply meet some people. And, and I met a young man named Eric. When I met Eric, he was sweeping up the uh, apartment complex there where I lived. And uh, I walked by, I haven't been in Portland now for maybe a day or two, having resigned my church. And he said, hi. And I said something like, how you doing? Howdy. So whatever I said, it came out in an accent. He said, where are you from? I don't think I speak with an accent. Later, they would ask me in Portland if I had language training to come as a mission, literally. And I'm like, it's Oklahoma. It's not Taiwan. No, I haven't had language training. Well, you need it. I said, I said, whatever salutation I gave the young man. And he said, where are you from? And I said, I'm, I'm from Portland, Oregon. I mean, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm from Oklahoma. And uh, with no confidence in the power of God, quite honestly, with no understanding that God is already working in people's lives, thinking in my ignorance and immaturity and faith that I am bringing Jesus to Portland Rather than Jesus is bringing me to Portland to join what he had already started doing, I'm thinking, I've got to sell this guy. And he's not going to want to come to my church. So I've got to figure out some way around telling him that I'm a pastor here to start a church to evangelize pagans like you. I'm trying to work, work around that even though I'm a pastor here to start a church to evangelize pagans like him. So I'm like, how am I going to do this? Especially, you know, while he's working and I'm passing through. And he said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm here to start a church. I'm a pastor. And I thought, ah, that didn't go well exactly the way I planned it. And he said, inexplicably to me, he said, oh, really? Well, me and my girlfriend have been thinking about getting into church. And I said, why? No. I said, I said, I said, you should totally come to my church. That, that's great. And bring your girlfriend. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, when is it? Now, I had been in Portland a day or two, and we're still moving stuff into an apartment that we can't even afford. And, and I said, well, when's good for you, man? And I guess he was as new to the whole thing as I was because he said, ah, Thursday? And I said, Thursday, that's when it is. You should come over to H1057. That's our church. You know, that's, that's, our, uh, that's our apartment. And he said, all right, all right, I'll, I'll do it. And uh, I'll bring Brittany. And uh, I, I said, super, man. That's, he, he and Brittany, uh, they were boyfriend, girlfriend. They were living together in an apartment just across the, across the um, parking lot. And, uh, and they didn't come. 
<laughs> they totally didn't come. We were ready. I mean, we'd made Starbucks. We'd made brownies. My wife did an amazing job of turning this little apartment into our home. And, uh, but they didn't come. And, I, and, and when you live in an apartment complex, I don't know what life is like here, but living in an apartment complex, you, you kind of live together whether you like it or not. I saw Eric all the time. We played basketball uh, together. I would see him as I, as I went to go get the mail. Uh, and I'd see, Eric, you, did, you blew me off, man. He's like, yeah, I'll be there next Thursday. Is it still on Thursday? Yeah, <laughs> it's still on Thursday. <laughs> you know, Brooke and I held hands and prayed. That was church. So, yeah, it's still on Thursday. You should be there. Okay, I'll be there. And a couple of Thursdays went by, basketball games went by, and he, he wasn't coming. And uh, I said, Eric, I'm starting to get frustrated with my friend. Eric, you're, you're blowing me off. He's like, yeah, I'm totally blowing you off. Are you still going to come? All right, I'll come this Thursday. And he did. He came, and he, and he brought Brittany, his girlfriend. And But later he would tell me, I was so freaked out by you, man. I didn't want to come alone, so I brought Joe, too. He brought his buddy Joe. They partied all the time together. Joe was weirded out by the whole situation. He hadn't been in church in years, and he wasn't coming without Melissa, his girlfriend. They lived together. So in my mind, we just tripled. We're the fastest-growing church in the state at that, at that point. In their mind, it's going to be over soon, and we'll go party. That was all that was on their plan. But where do you start in that situation? I got to cut this short because you guys know I'm going to First Baptist uh, Woodward tonight, but man, where do you start? That began a process of me kind of learning what is called the gospel. Where do you start with someone who's just here? I mean, we, we didn't start with, did you bring your wallets? Because this is my job. We started with, well, they didn't bring, even bring Bibles. We had coffee. We said, this is your Bible. And at the beginning, God made the world. And this is the gospel, my friends. God. We begin, the gospel begins with God. The gospel begins with God's glory. And a version of the gospel that begins with man's need, man's pain, even man's brokenness, or something as spiritual sounded as man's sin, really ultimately turns into a human-centered gospel. Eric was busted up and broken. I would learn more and more about his story, and it is crazy. It almost sounds like one of those missionary stories, because it was. Eric's mother was a, a teenage prostitute. His father, uh, they were never married, but his father was her pimp. And he was from Vietnam and had come over, and, and the way he made his life was by pimping teenage girls. One was Michelle, Eric's mom. He was, he was my buddy, like uh, close in my age, but so was she. It was an odd kind of thing meeting her. Eric had a lot of daddy issues. Eric had a lot of pain, stuff that he'd gone through growing up. But does the gospel begin with Eric and his broken family and his busted up emotions? No, it doesn't. Because quite frankly, here's the truth. As much as I love my friend Eric, who would eventually become a preacher, I got to marry he and, and Brittany. Uh, their, their son was, or I got to marry them on my birthday. And then uh, they've had two children now. Eric is a, is a preacher in, um, in Portland. And as much as I love them and their family, Eric's not worth it. He's just not. He's not. He and the, his value intrinsically as a human being is not worth you remembering that we are to evangelize the world. It's never been enough that people are, are, are sinful. And it's never been enough to motivate Christian compassion and missionary effort that people are going to hell. It just doesn't work. As much as pastors might want to put it down on us, it's not enough. But you know what's enough to motivate us to the rest of our lives? God is glorious. 
God is glorious. The gospel begins with God's glory. So God is glorious and man is sinful. But Jesus came to this earth and the life that he lived and the death that he died is ours. And that is, we are justified because he substituted his death for the death we should have died. But let me tell you, friends, the life that he lived is also ours. The life that he lived in victory over sin, that is ours too. So that the the way that we wish we were righteous, we can be because of the gospel. We can not only escape judgment, but we can live out an imputed righteousness to us. That is not ours, but we get. Since we took the place that only God should have, and that is sin, God took the place that was only meant for us. He became sin. So we taught the gospel. I learned the gospel by walking through it. Eric isn't even enough. What's going to motivate me to do this? God is glorious. And we taught the gospel. And eventually, when we came back to Oklahoma, I thought my life would settle down. No more of this crazy running around, living without my, my parents. Finally, my kids are going to be able to see their, their grandkids. And, but man, I still have this. God is still glorious. I still have this missionary's heart. I still know that the most effective means for evangelizing new areas is through church planting. Especially when my friend Jackie, golly for Jackie, Jackie came back from Arizona and he was telling us about this area. There's this strip of Phoenix, Arizona, guys, that there it's only five miles long from Carefree Highway to Happy Valley, just to the side of Interstate 17. 25,000 people live in this area area. That's more than Duncan, more than Woodward, more people in those, and only one church. I later found out there's another church that got started. Neither one that, or anything that you and I would recognize as a church. There's no building and not a history or a lot of people, but little church plants. For 25,000 people, there's two churches. Man, we should plant a church there, Jackie tells me. I say, you're right, we should, but I ain't doing it. Yeah, I know, but let's let's work together. So we started to work together, Jackie and I and some other friends in our association. And right about that time, we had to consider as an association that our director of missions was retiring. And we needed to figure out how to, uh, you know, to, to hire someone else. And that also caused us to think, well, what should he do? What should we ask him to focus in on? Well, then that caused us to think, well, what does an association do? So we really had a lot of questions rolling around in our head. And we thought, what if... We use our entire collective dollars, influence, concern, prayer, spiritual dynamite to plant a church on that area in Phoenix that Jackie's been talking about. And instead of hiring a full-time director of missions, if we are willing as pastors to carry that load ourselves, when there's a lot of work to do, we'd have to have someone do it. But if we're willing to do it, we can use the money we paid to the, to the director of missions for the church planner. And I said, that is an awesome idea. Now, I ain't going to do it, but I would, I would love to be in on that. So, okay, well, Brian, you get in on this committee. And Jackie, you know, you get in. And we got some guys together and we planted it. And, uh, and it was clear, man, Jackie, you're the guy that should plan it. You've already planted a church in Phoenix. He had planted a church in Phoenix and was back to be in Oklahoma. At, uh, you guys may know he's at Emmanuel Duncan. He's pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Duncan. And, and Jackie, you should, you should go. Would you be willing to go? And we kind of made some plans in that direction. And he even resigned his church when it got close to planting that church. He resigned as pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church. And Jackie was getting ready to go. And I'm having breakfast. And he calls me and says, Brian, we got to talk. I said, all right, man, I'm right here. So he comes up 
to the hospital. If you live in Duncan, you know what that means. You eat at the hospital. But I was eating at the hospital. He comes up there and he says, man, you got to go to Phoenix. And I said, I told you I'm not going to Phoenix. It was two weeks later when I realized God was throwing me to Phoenix, Arizona. My wife resigned her job. I resigned my job. And we moved to Phoenix, Arizona, January the 1st of this year. Uh, this is a little bit different in that this time our, our kids know more people than just Brooke and me. My daughter is 13. Uh, my son is 11 years old. And, and that could have been a problem. I don't know if you know about teenagers. That could have been an issue. But God has been so gracious to us in that we have four missionaries on the field. Uh, I'll, I'll stop here. This is this will be how I wrap up. But picking one of us, my daughter Bailey is 13 years old. Uh, she's finishing up eighth grade right now, and she cannot wait to go to high school. Uh, at her at her K through eight school that she goes to, she is surrounded by Mormon friends. Um, I'll say this: my daughter squeaks. Okay, always has. I, I can't explain it. You just have to see it. She makes this high pitched noise that's irregular and she does it on purpose it's not involuntary but it is annoying and weird but she thinks it's really awesome and she always has done it she doesn't care what other people think and at, at, at school where she's always gone to school she's always done it. and that'll kind of set you apart i don't know if you realize that'll, that'll put you away from the crowd and she doesn't care that's just her nature she don't care and so she's always been seen as a, a, a little bitty smart kind of odd kid it doesn't make for popularity, which is not a big thing in our house. We're not pushing for popularity. Well, she got to this new school, and she she decided she was not going to squeak anymore. I'm not going to squeak anymore. So now she's got this circle of friends that she's never had, and she's dealing with that. And that can be an issue, right? It, my daughter's now, God help us, popular. <laughs> but because of that, there's a lot of kids at our school, at her school, that want to know about Valley Life Church. She said, I'm surrounded by a lot of Mormon friends, and my friend Vikos is, a, is a, a Muslim, but he wants to know about our church, and he wants to know about what real Christianity is. And my other friend, Kara, she, is, um, she says that she's an agnostic, but she doesn't really know what that means. And I thought that was ironic. But <laughs> pick, pick one of us four. God has put us in a missionary field. 25,000 people in our area with only two churches um, the, the, the more telling thing is my, my little girl and her circle of friends that she's sharing Jesus with on her local campus. So is there a strategy or is there only passion? We have tons of passion, but yeah, this time we decided we better come up with a strategy rather than just landing there. And, and that is this, we've rented out the Harkins theater. You can see it says our new home. Uh, the Harkins Theater is our new home. It's it's one of the largest theaters in Phoenix, Arizona. It's surrounded by about 50 businesses, like uh, Old Navy, Bath and Body Works. Um, so this is this is a high traffic. Everyone in our um, area knows the Harkins. Whereas in Portland, we used to say, well, if you want to come to our church, you really need to check with us and find out when we'll be and where that'll happen. Now. We're able to say, hey, man, October 2nd, we're going to be in the Harkins. And we don't have to say turn left or go right. Everybody knows where the Harkins is. Um, we have a mission team coming out once a month from Oklahoma to, to our area. We have five entry points into the attenders who will be the people who will be attenders at the church. And they are my circle of friends at the, uh, you know, where I live in our house. Um, 
And then the businesses, I'm kind of serving as chaplain to all these uh, 40 or 50 businesses around. I go there all the time and say, hey, it's me again. If you have any issues, I'm here to pray for you. We're giving gifts to business owners and the managers and just just letting them know that we're here to help. Uh, And then three and four are where Oklahoma churches come in. The first two we do out of relationships, but three and four, we're asking for help. I was called to plant this church, but man, I learned in Portland, I was not called to do it alone. Everybody, amen. Yeah, I was not called to do it. We will not use our family as a lever to plant this church and bend my family to plant it. We won't do it. We will ask for help. And that, so three and four are these. Now we'll have uh, big events. We'll have block parties and neighborhood. Uh, uh, there's no grass. I don't know if you, there's no grass in Phoenix. So they build these parks with grass and it's kind of an attraction. So we'll, we'll, we'll use the parks and have churches and, and a missionary teams come out and do events that will draw people just to say valley life is here valley life really loves you and wants to build a relationship with you so we can tell you about jesus uh that's uh the third point the fourth entry point in our church will be uh door hangers Uh, i was speaking with my friend brian who said um that before you guys have done some door knocking and that in phoenix that didn't go very well and that doesn't surprise me what we'll do is door hangers door hangers are they're not a problem i get them all the time it happens a lot so you come home and someone wants to tell you something they're not going to knock on your door they leave you a little door hanger we'll do the same thing we want to cover twenty-five thousand people as many times as we can from now till october just set with a door hanger that says valley life opens october 2nd in the Harkins, and everyone will know where the Harkins is. The fifth entry point is uh, is expensive, quite honestly. We, we had it in our head, and maybe you've already thought of it if you're kind of an entrepreneuring kind of person. What if every time someone saw a movie in the Harkins, it showed a little clip, or not a, not a video clip, but just a slide saying, hey, on Sundays at 930, a church meets here called Valley Life. You should come. What if you go to see some nasty Hollywood production, but first got to see... Oh, Valley Life meets here. I probably need to go repent of what I'm about to do. (laughs) What if every time someone went to the movies, they saw two slides in in each of those 17 theaters, and they run hundreds of movies, uh, I think about 100 movies a day. Yeah, that's our dream too. And it's expensive, but we're going to ask for help and rally some different people to come alongside us and, and, and help pay for that. And October 2nd, we intend to launch a church out of the groups that we are already building. I told you I'd only tell you about Bailey's friends, but I got to tell you about my friend Remy, who just moved in. We saw the Penske truck move in right after, right after we landed. And I said, I, what, wouldn't it be neat if someone who's now the new guy, I'm not the new guy in our cul-de-sac anymore, whoever that is, what if they came to our church? Because they need a relationship now, just like I need. I'm going to find out who that is. It was a single mom, an architect. I don't know how long she's been over from India, but clearly it hasn't been that long. She still has a very thick accent. Her name is Remy. Single mom. I took some uh, baked goods over there. Brooke and I walked across the street and said, hey, we're just living right here. We're new, too. We'd like to get to know you. And then uh, they had a Super Bowl party on our cul-de-sac. And we went to the Super Bowl party. And she was there like, hey, Remy, good to see you again. And, And she said, you guys are always home. You independently wealthy or what? You know? And I, I said, No. But we are starting this church. We're going to start a church. It's going to be at the Harkins, October 2nd. And she, she said, uh, really? I, I'm not a Christian. Okay. She said, my uh, certifications are over in April. Are you going to be starting any groups where I can learn about Christianity before the church opens? Well, yes, we are. You should come. Remy's going to be our first newcomer to, uh, to Valley Life Church. And I would ask you to pray for Brooke, for Brian, Bailey, and Britton. 
pray for Remy. Pray for the groups that are already forming uh, out of the churches that are supporting us there in Phoenix. Pray for the mission teams that are coming out. Uh, We've already had one mission team come and and just move our stuff. They moved us. Um, We'll have others come spring break. Um, So I, I know that Jesus is already working in Phoenix. I know that we are not bringing Jesus to Phoenix, Arizona. Jesus has brought us now as an ambassador and a local, a, uh, a zoni now is what they call us. I'm a zoni now, and I am inviting you to come as well. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I love you with all my heart. I love telling the story of how you are still working on me. <laughs> you, have not, you have not left me alone for one second. And that story is um, for your glory. I, I just have this tendency to elevate things into your place that were never meant to be there. Uh, we, we all do. And for that, we, we are happy to repent. We are happy to turn our back on our idols that's, that so desperately want to enslave us. And we turn our back on those. We turn our back on the idol of comfort and safety and self. We turn our face towards you knowing that you call us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross. And to the extent that the Bowman family has been able to do that, we glorify you only. And to the extent that this church and the members here, the families that are comprised by this membership here, um, are able to do that, we will give you glory for that as well. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would enable people to deny themselves to turn their back on the American dream, which has become a nightmare for so many, to follow you. Amen.